Good morning, everyone. I am so excited today. We are here with Champanozian, who is the number one mortgage officer in the whole country, and also a really good friend of mine. We go way back, probably a solid 10 years ago, we were joking about talking about when you were having your first baby and things like that. So it's been really fun to watch as you have done incredible things over the last over a decade. But I'm really excited to be here with you today. And we have so many topics we're going to try to compress. But obviously, I want to let you introduce yourself first. This is just such a hot button thing right now between rates and just what's going on in the lending space. Yeah, yeah. No, I thank you for having me. So you're right. I, I was thinking about it when I was getting on here for this call. It's been really cool. We've been on this journey together, kind of grown up in the real estate business together over the course of like, might even be more than 10 years. Like it's been a long time. So it's been fun. Congrats on all your success. It's been fun to watch mm-hmm. and, and your companies and all the stuff you're doing over there. It's been really, really awesome to see. And um, so I'm Sean Panosian from Guaranteed Rate, based out of uh, Waltham and Boston, you know, doing business, you know, now in all 50 states, but primarily in Massachusetts and New England, you know, local guy raised here in Watertown, went to school in Waltham and live in Belmont now. So I haven't gone very far. I've always been kind of like Metro West, North Shore, South Shore in the city have kind of been home base for me in terms of like where I've been doing my business. And it's all all been built off like really, really strong partnerships with some of the best real estate agents around. So thank you for having me. Well, let's roll. Well, of course, we just, I think, need to jump right into there's so much sort of volatility and just a lot of opinions right now around rates and what's happening. I feel like there's no one better to tell us what the heck is going on at this yeah, moment. What, what a run. So like, you know, obviously it's always important kind of to talk about where we came from. And that's, I think, why it's such a hot topic is, you know, we got used to 2020, 2021 and the very beginning of 2022, we saw some of the lowest rates of all time. We saw rates in the two to 3% range. And then kind of almost out of nowhere, like we always knew rates were going to go up, right? Like everybody kind of knew that twos and threes weren't going to last forever. And so last year, at the beginning of the year, the forecasts were like, hey, rates are going to go up into the fours, possibly a four and a half, maybe even 5%. But nobody predicted rates to spike up and spike up fast to almost six and 7% at certain points of the year at the end of last year. So we had this huge increase in rates and it kind of caused, obviously, everybody to grabbed everyone's attention. Buyers certainly lost some buying power, created some constraints on affordability. However, really kind of surprising to me, and I've learned a lot, is that home prices and home demand has remained as strong as ever. Home prices didn't pull back. Housing market wasn't impacted really by rates going up. And so far this year, we've seen rates kind of stay in that same, they've come off their highs where we kind of peaked right almost at 7% a couple of times. They're kind of back into the low sixes and high fives across the board. What our prediction is rates will continue to decrease throughout the course of the year. We actually feel like pretty much like we're right there where we feel like we're on the other side of rates, volatility kind of ending. We think as inflation numbers come down over the course of the next few months, which has been happening, inflation has been coming down for nine months in a row or 10 months in a row now. We think the interest rates will go down with it. We think the Fed is going to change their policy. The, the Fed has hiked rates, 10 straight Fed meetings in a row. It's like unprecedented how fast they've raised rates. We think they might, might raise one more time, possibly take a pause here and maybe even start cutting rates by the end of the year. So there's all these indicators that are starting to show that rates are going to start to come down. What we're predicting is that rates are going to be in the mid to high fives through the summer and the rest of this year, and possibly even into the fours next year when kind of inflation gets back down to right around 2%. So we think that's going to create a lot of of excitement in the housing market. You know, last year, as we were just saying, like a lot of buyers kind of paused when rates were going up quickly and house prices were already expensive. I think the opposite is going to happen this year. As rates come down, there's not going to be that pause. There's going to be excitement. There's going to be a fear of missing out. and, And also you'll see people grabbing what they think is a good deal as rates come down and stay really into the housing market and, and stay active because it, yeah. on the way down, it creates more buying power, 
creates more affordability. And then you also have a bunch of people be able to refinance their existing homes that bought in higher rate environments. So I think most of the people that purchased in the last six months of the year, last year in 2022, and, and purchased in the first six months of this year are likely in a position to refinance in 2024 and save some money. Right. No, for sure. And I think it is important to have that perspective. I know everyone's heard that this is, it's just, we got used to such a low amount, but at the same time too, I think the perspective has shifted. Like you said, if it starts to go down, but not only that coming into this spring market last year, this time, the rates were just getting hiked. So everyone had their pre-approvals. They knew their buying power. They knew what that number was and that number changed on them. And I think that pause was sort of like, oh, geez, like, where is this going to go? We've now seen the prices haven't come down. You know, there's no no reason to really wait. And now everyone's that is pre-approved, I think, from a from a brokerage side for this market. They they're coming into this market with that number in their head. They know where they're at, which is going to help us too, I think. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And like what I'm also hearing is this, what I've noticed, like, you know, because we talk to clients every single day and like last year, it was always like, oh, when are rates going to go back down to two or three percent? And like there was a lot of talking about like how much different it was than before. That conversation has shifted, whereas like the expectations have changed, like people know what the numbers are. But the other thing that they're comparing it to is like, especially with first time home buyers, they're comparing it to how much rent they're paying, right? And rent prices have gone up almost as much as interest rates or home prices, like rents are up like 30%. So what we're seeing from a lot of people is like, you know, they're getting those rent renewal notices. And they're like, you know, I want to get into homeownership. You know, I want to pay principal, which is for savings. I want to pay interest, which is a tax deduction. I want to take part in home price appreciation. I want to pay my own mortgage. I don't want to pay somebody else's mortgage payment. You're seeing a lot of that. It's funny because on the way up, people pause. On the way down, it's a whole different mentality. It's going to be good. And, you know, home prices haven't come down at all. So it's certainly going to help in terms of people getting into the market. So it'll be great. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting too, perspective-wise, someone said yesterday that's been in the industry almost 50 years in one of our office meetings. She asked someone who's been in a little bit less time, how many times have you seen home prices fall? And she's like, I've been in almost 50 years and I can basically say never. Like 06, 07, there was certain markets we saw like five, maybe 10%. And that's our area, right? Not everybody has that, but like can say that. But that's the other thing to keep in mind, like from a perspective point of view, like all these things are going to be peaks and valleys, but really you don't need to overthink it. It, The values aren't really coming down and the rents are going up. Oh my gosh. It's insane what we're looking at right now. I know COVID, we had a little bump in the city in particular, but we do a lot of rentals in the city and I'm shocked at what's continuing. Highest ever. To your point, like it's it's funny, like you'll see on the news every once in a while, you'll see some so-called expert that's not in real estate make a prediction that like, you know, home prices are going to depreciate. And their only explanation is that it's only because they've gone up so fast, so they must have to come down. And that has nothing to do with it. They could keep going up and up and up. It's purely based on supply and demand. Is inventory is like, depending on the time, the month, it's weird that a two-month supply or three-month supply of inventory, which is a low inventory number, as opposed to like six or seven months, which is considered like a balanced market. If you look back, going back to like 2011, 2012, like We've been well, it just keeps getting lower and lower every year. And I don't think there's this glut of inventory coming on the market that's all of a sudden going to all of a sudden make it more supply than there is demand. And the demand across our country, but even specifically here in Boston and the surrounding areas, like in all the markets that we're doing business in, it's just so strong. And there's just a lack of land. It's not like the people are going and finding out these like parcels of land that are unbuilt that they can just put up subdivisions and add housing. Like usually when you add new inventory here, you're tearing down other inventory. It's, It's really interesting. So I think the housing market's really, 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 really strong. I think it's really protected. If you told me at the beginning of last year, you know, like, hey, Sean, what's your prediction? 
you know, rates are going to double this year, maybe even almost triple. And then the stock market's going to pull back by like 20%. Like, what do you think is going to happen to home prices? I probably would have been like, hmm, I think they're going to come down or stay flat. Never would have, I guess, appreciated, right? But it just yeah. showed the test of like supply and demand and how strong our housing market is. It appreciated right. even amongst all the different challenges we had. So it just shows uh, how strong it is. Yeah, I'm stealing from something I heard an agent say that was just a great point is, the bench might not be as deep, right? So if you had before the rates went up 20 offers, you might only have three now, but the prices haven't come down, right? So it's, we still have the people that are still in the game. There was too many people, like you said, it's just supply and demand lined up for that to knock everybody out. I want to backtrack a little bit because I feel like this is important. You mentioned the Fed raising the rates. I don't think everybody understands that that's not a direct correlation. If you could give us a a quick overview on that. Of course. Yeah, it happened to. So it's something we get asked about all the time. So it's funny, almost every single time the Fed raises rates, mortgage rates actually tend to improve. So improve meaning decrease. Yeah, like get decrease. Yeah, get better. The Fed funds rates are short-term rates. So like what does go up every time the Fed raises rates are things like credit cards, car loans, in certain cases, student loans, you know, personal loans. So like, you know, what's crazy right now is like the average credit card rate in our country after the Fed has having raised rates 10 times is almost 20%, believe it or not. Car, uh, home equity line rate, those have gone up. Equity lines are second mortgages. Those go up, they're adjustable. That's like nine and a half percent on average. Same thing with a car loan. They're like they're hovering between like eight and nine percent, whereas mortgage rates are kind of hovering around six percent. So mortgages are traded on mortgage backed securities, which are long term bonds and treasuries. They're totally traded different. So your client thinks, like most clients think, that Fed raises rates, mortgage rates uh, go up. And it's the opposite. Like if you think about it, like so far this year, the Fed's raised rates twice. They raised rates a couple times towards the end of last year. And like I said, 10 times in total since they started raising. And mortgage rates are down since they peaked last year in October, even though the Fed's continued to raise. So the Fed's raising rates, the reason they're doing it is to cool the economy, right? Because in general, when the cost of everything goes up, it impacts budgets of businesses, consumers, all that kind of stuff, and they tend to spend less. And so it is just like they made money really cheap two years ago, and they put a lot of stimulus into the economy, and that gets people excited because you make money cheap, you put a lot of money out there, it creates a lot of buying power. Now they're trying to cool the buying power to kind of tame inflation and right-size our economy a little bit. So I think they're done in terms of raising rates. I really do. I think that maybe one more, and then I think they're going to pause for a while and see kind of what impacts what they did as on our overall economy. And I think the economy probably will slow into this year, it's already kind of showing signs of that. It can't sprint forever, but I don't think you're going to see that really slow down housing. I think you're going to see there's so much pent up demand for housing, so little inventory that I think you're going to see housing perform really well, even if we see a cooling economy. That's great. And I'm glad we clarified the Fed thing because I think it's important. It's funny, my only job before this was in public policy and it was for financial services and the top hundred banks just like translating things that I feel like are intentionally complicated in communication. So it was an interesting thing. And it's been interesting because I did that like on the heels of the last recession. So like walking through Dodd-Frank, the stress test, and you have to learn enough to make things simple. And I feel like you do that so well, you know, so much, but you can, and that's what I think, like I said, I think it's intentional. The consumer isn't meant to really understand. And those little things always get me like, oh my God, the Fed raised rates. Like, and someone's going to open houses that weekend and they're panicking. It's like, this is not really, it's not directly related. Obviously there's relatively, there's, it's all in the same world, but I think it's important to simplify that for people. Yeah. We try to do the best we can. In terms of products, I know that like sometimes things just get to be like, sexy in the moment and they really don't last, but are there specific products you're seeing and using right now to give people better options? The biggest challenge for this market has been housing affordability 
right? Like it's house prices have gone up, rates have gone up. So what can you do to help people have more buying power, create more affordability? It's a bunch of different things. So I would say, I'll just list off some of the things is adjustable rate mortgages have been very, very popular, right? Because, you know, somebody with an adjustable rate mortgage, you're going to have a slightly lower rate than a fixed rate because you have less protection in terms of like how long that rate's fixed. So a 30 year fixed gives you 30 years of security. So you never have to worry about that rate again. Whereas like a five year adjustable, a seven year adjustable or a 10 year, your rates fixed to that amount of time. After that, your rate can adjust. So if you're in a position where you think you're either going to A, move, or like, you know, somebody upsizing, downsizing, maybe in the future, it's not like the forever house, a great option. If you think you're probably going to have a position to refinance, which we think is going to be the case, you know, maybe taking a shorter term security, like a five, seven or 10 years, a better option. Because again, you get a lower rate, which means you can save money, pay more principal, pay less interest, create more buying power. So that's been really popular. Other types of programs that have been popular the last year in the fall, the temporary buy down was like the big sexy thing that everybody's talking about is the two one buy down that I felt like every lender on the planet was like selling from July of last year through the end of the year. And it worked, you know, it's, it's a 30 year fixed rate mortgage where you get a discounted rate of say in this example, two one, you get a 2% discount on your rate the first year. So if today's 30 year fixed is 6%, your rate in year one would be 4%, year two would be 5%. So you save a lot of money in terms of over the course of two years, and hopefully you're refinancing before. Other things that have been really great to see kind of come back. I know we're in the middle of the spring market right now, so this might not seem as popular right now, but in the fall and winter, it was very popular. We were getting a lot of seller paid closing costs. Like that was on almost 40% of the deals country across the country that had some sort of seller concession. You know, right now markets heated up again, but when it cools in like the fall or winter, like you'll see seller concessions come back that creates some affordability from an out-of-pocket expense. Mm -hmm. FHA has become big, big time popular again. They just recently reduced their private mortgage insurance for the first First time in 10 years, you're seeing a huge uptick in FHA volume because it's gotten much more affordable on a monthly basis. So the terms are better. And mm -hmm. then lastly, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have done a really great job over the course of the last year of changing some of their programs to really align for first time homebuyers at certain lower income levels to create more affordability. So they've really tried to make sure that when somebody's talking about a first time homebuyer program, that they're in the game on that. And you see the states like Mass Housing's done an amazing job. Like they rolled out that Mass Dreams program last year, which was really popular. Obviously, mm -hmm. the funds ran out on that. But like, there's just stuff like you have to be really resourceful as a lender now. And you have to be better than ever. And you have to be more strategic than ever in terms of like working with your clients. Like we've never spent more time and energy giving advice in terms of like all the different options. When you have a 30 year fixed at 2.75 or 3%, like it's really easy. Like here's what you should go. Here, this is it. And like, there's not a lot of conversation around it. When times like this, like we really have to step up our game and really advise and consult our clients and our partners more than ever. So we're just making sure that we know all the different products out there, mm -hmm. you know, and there's more, like I could go on and on and on and get really boring, but like, uh, but there's so much stuff out there that which you can save people money and be creative in financing in order to get them into the housing market. That's cool. And talk to me a little bit about products for appraisals. Cause I know appraisals have been really tricky yeah. and there's been, I know that I don't, we don't need to get too into it, but I know that there's some options now like appraisal insurance and things that people have been utilizing. The last couple of years, obviously when the bidding wars got crazy, stuff was going way over asking price. Appraisals were a real challenge because there wasn't, the comps weren't there because the market was constantly resetting itself. The cool part about this year so far is we really haven't experienced that yet because like the comps are all there. Like appraisers can go back three, six or 12 months. So like we're not dealing with under appraisals like we were at the scale of like the previous two years. 
However, the big changes, so so the appraisers are lucky because there's plenty of comps they can look back at and most of their price points are similar to last year. There's been moderate appreciation, but it's not like a whole new price point was set just like it was at the beginning of last year. The appraisal business is going through definitely like a technology upgrade, if you want to call it, in the sense that like now Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in certain cases are granting valuation waivers because they have so much data they've compiled and they're compiling it real time every single day. They're truly like have access to almost every single comparable out there. And so they're granting waivers on certain addresses and certain price points and certain loan amounts, you know, that they don't even require an appraisal because they feel so confident in the data they have. They don't need one. And there's all these other kind of companies out there that are also utilizing data access. They can turn around reports much, much faster. You know, the one thing I've noticed in appraisals that have happened this year, the speed at which an appraisal can be turned around is drastically improved, like days, sometimes 24, 48 hours. In regards to your options when a house doesn't appraise, a lot of times when you hear appraisal gap insurance and all that kind of stuff, it's really just private mortgage insurance. And it's ways that lenders can offer private mortgage insurance to our consumers, whether it's monthly or upfront as an alternative to them having to pay more money out of pocket to make up the difference on like a low valuation. What we try to do is whenever the client is in a bidding war, we're talking to our end consumer, the buyer, and we're talking to the real estate agent about, hey, if this under appraises below the purchase price, here's what three or four options are. Here's what it means in terms of the risk you're taking. Sometimes there is no risk because they're covered with a contingency. Other times, maybe they're not covered under an appraisal contingency or mortgage contingency. And we're letting them know, you know, option A, B, C, and D, whether it's bringing more money, whether it's monthly PMI, whether it's a different loan product, whether it's paying upfront PMI, whether it's getting cash from a family member as like a gift or a utilize another type of resource. Like we're really talking through that stuff because when you're proactive, it eliminates so much stress and anxiety and risk. Whereas when you're reactive at anything, it's a whole different ballgame. So, but you can kind of give everybody the answers to the test up front based on the information that we have from a product standpoint and based on the information the, the realtors have from a comp standpoint. I think we can be pretty close to make sure everybody's prepared. Yeah, I know that's been kind of a hot button topic. And another hot button topic I wanted to touch on today, kind of the last one I'll put on you for now, the White House Mortgage Redistribution Plan that went into yeah. place on May 1st. Yeah. I know there's been a lot of different opinions on that. We don't have to get too yeah. political, but I was curious if you could just break that down for people. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's great. And, you know, you make a good point. It did get super political, right? And and that's why there was all this noise that was created and it kind of got away from like, there was all these headlines and it was unclear as to what was true and what wasn't true. So I'll, I'll just tell you what, what really happened. Ultimately, what the goal was to create more affordability for underserved borrowers, right? And so it was... And how they defined underserved borrowers, their definition was people with lower down payments and lower credit scores, right? And so they wanted to, you know, housing's gotten more expensive, rates have gone up. So they wanted to give pe people in that those groups an opportunity to get into housing. I feel like they missed it a little bit, in my personal opinion, just because where they, I think, missed it was they classified underserved borrowers as people with low credit or low down payments. I think they should have classified it as people with lower income, right? But, you know, because I have clients, I've looked at hundreds of thousands of credit reports. I have plenty of clients that make a ton of money that don't pay any of their bills on time. And I have clients that don't make a lot of money and pay every single bill on time. I have a lot of clients also that have done a really great job paying their bills on time and saving for housing, they got upset because they they felt like they were penalized now. So mm -hmm. yeah, because they're going to pay more. They're going to pay more than they were before, right? Mm -hmm. So so what? here's what's changed. Borrowers after May 1 that have better credit, and bigger down payments are definitely paying more for a mortgage if they're utilizing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac than they were before. Mm -hmm. However, the misconception is people with lower down payments and lower credit scores were getting better rates than people with bigger down payments 
and higher credit scores. And that's not the case. It still absolutely pays to have a bigger down payment and have a better credit score. You're still going to get the primo rates. Mm-hmm. It's just that the difference between the two is not as big anymore. They've closed the gap and they took some of the pricing away from credit scores above 680 and they gave them to people with below 680 all the way down to 620. And Amazing. that's what got some people upset because like that's where like the emotion came into it is like, what do you mean? Like, how come I'm being penalized for paying my bills on time and saving money? And I don't have a good argument for that. To be honest, with you, like, you know, I don't have a good argument for that. Like, I would argue that they're right. Like, you know, they should get you know, rewarded for that. Well, it's I, also you know, not applied to, and this might be something I heard, but that's not applied to jumbo loans. So a lot of times people I, think it's like the ultra wealthy that are going to pay for it. And it's like, it's not, it's actually the opposite the ultra wealthy probably aren't even getting loans. And if they're getting loans, their, their loans aren't being charged this, right? Yeah, you're hundred percent right. And it's really below it's loans below in our market. Like, in Boston and the surrounding suburbs, 828,000 or less for a loan amount. In some parts of Massachusetts, it's 725 or less. So like it doesn't apply to jumbo mortgage. It doesn't apply to portfolio mortgage. It doesn't apply to FHA, VA, you know, certain products. So like it really just, but it applies to the biggest set of mortgages that are being utilized in this country. So there is about 30 states, I believe, that are fighting it saying, hey, we should take a look at this. I know National Association of Realtors is involved. The Mortgage Bankers Association is talking to FHFA about, I know they're in discussions in terms of like, read an article that said that like FHFA has reached out to lenders and NAR and all that kind of stuff. So like, I'm kind of seeing what I'm seeing in the media, but like, I know there's discussions about it in the past, whenever they've rolled stuff stuff out, like they actually just recently repealed portion of the changes that were into effect regarding debt to income ratio and stuff. So like, that was a good start, but Mm -hmm. like, there's still some long way to go. I do think there'll be some changes. It just, I feel like they kind of missed it a little bit and hopefully they change it. But again, that's just my opinion. Mine too. We share it and we actually didn't discuss that ahead of time. So, but I just... I think it's like anything. It's good in theory and people feel bad. And I think that's what we have to get over. It's like we feel bad putting logic around something that sounds like a nice idea, but it's also like we need to look at the actual logistics here and what might make the most sense to achieve this goal. doesn't mean we don't care or that affordability isn't a problem and that we shouldn't figure out a way to help people. But are we helping the right people? Is this working? Is this hurting people that are also working really hard? They're all good questions. So we'll see what comes of that. You'll have to keep us posted. Cool. I definitely will. Just in general, I guess I'm curious, obviously, we just went through everything, all the uncertainty. It sounds like I just want to drive home that you don't believe that what we're heading into as a housing crisis. I think we both know we're already really in the recession. Yeah, I always joke that the naysayers, I've, I have people in my life that have been saying for the last five to 10 years, it's going to tip. It's going to tip. Yeah. And I'm like, if you wake up every day saying you're going to die tomorrow, like you're going to be right eventually. Like, of course there's going to be a softening, but that being said, it sounds like we're on that same page. You don't, yeah. that you are optimistic. How are you keeping your team optimistic? How are you keeping your clients optimistic? Things like that. Great question. So, you know, here's what I'd say. I have like four things I talk about with my team consistently. It's like, I'm like a broken record over the course of last year. One is back to the basics right? Like the basics work, right? Like all the things you did to build your business and support your clients have a really successful future all around the basics. So I don't know why we ever got away from them or why we do sometimes. I think it's human nature, but like stick to the basics in terms of like knowing what you have to do to support your clients, to support yourself and to have a successful business. And typically like when you first get into real estate or mortgage, you have these mentors and all that stuff and they all tell you to do the same things. And at some point we get like too busy or we get lazier, we get distracted and we get away from those things. And if you just always kind of, if we just stick to the basics, that always works in terms of getting you back in the right direction. So back to the basics, focus on what you can control is the next thing. I can't control the economy. I can't control inventory. I can't control interest rates. I can't control a war. I can't control any of that stuff. I can focus and control 
my activities and my actions. And that's both personally and professionally. And if I'm kind of doing the right activities and actions, business takes care of itself and so does life. And sometimes we get so hung up about like all these things that we've just been talking about. Like we can't control any of them. We, we're, everybody's kind of dealt the same hand. And what I know, especially if we're talking business, like there's going to be a bunch of people that are like brand new agents this year or last year. They're, they're probably doing great right? There's going to be a bunch of people that are seasoned agents that are doing really, really great, right? And if you all talk to them, they're like super laser focused. Like they don't know what's going on. Like I started my business and literally like I opened up the doors to my first mortgage company in 2008 and the whole world was collapsing around us. I wasn't paying attention at all. I was just so focused on making it and building a business that like I wasn't listening to what was happening around me, right? And like, even if I'd hear it, I'd just go back to doing what I was doing because like I didn't want to listen to the noise. So mm -hmm. those two things are key. We're laser focused on outvaluing your competition, right? Like outvaluing our competition. Like how can we support our partners and our clients? Like we build our entire, every strategy that we have is like, how can we be the best mortgage person for our end user clients? Like how can we give them everything they need and how can we be a great partner to our real estate agents? So like we're constantly focused on just adding new and exciting things in terms of just like how to outcompete and out beat out our competition if we're going heads up on them. And like, how can we be the people that, our partners and our clients like and trust more because of all the value that we add on a daily basis. And the last part is like maintain a positive mindset. It's probably the most important one because like in general, like think about like all the successful people, you know, generally speaking, the most positive people are usually the successful ones. Like the negative ones kind of tend to get in their own way. Right. And so like, it's easy to say, be positive. It takes a lot of hard work. So like, I really dial it in, in terms of like what I'm putting into my brain and who I surround myself with. So I'm constantly reading, constantly listening to motivational type like podcasts or, or like when I say motivational stuff that like gets my brain moving in terms of like learning and investing in myself, working out, meditating, you know, you got to kind of take care of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, all those things matter because you get what you put in. Right. And so mm -hmm. like, if I'm at like high energy, like I generally am, I mean, you've known me for a very long time. Like I'm usually like on the go and that energy is positive and it, it attracts and it like, and we're in the business of attracting people, whether it's partners or clients. And when you're leading, when you're at a high level of energy and positive, it's just better. So back to the basics, focus on what you can control, I'll value competition and be positive. If I just do those four things, it sounds so simple. Like I, I know I'm on the right track. It is so true. And we did, we started this company in 06 and it's, it is, it's, I think it almost makes you better to start in a tough time and just yeah. get focused on what works and put your head down. The biggest gift I had starting that time. I didn't know it at the time, you right. know, especially now like really leaning into some of those experiences because like everything, we don't have it figured out. We just learn from experiences like having wins and having losses. It was the biggest gift I have now in terms of going through what we're going through. But the other thing I've learned too, Nicole, and I think you would agree, like think about how many times, like our careers in the big scheme of things, even though we've been doing this for a long time, it's like relatively short, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and like every year we're talking about the market shifting, like it's right. going to, it's shifted every single time. Next year is going to be different and it's going to be hard. And the year after is going to be different and hard. There's no such thing as like an easy market, right? They're like all, they're just different and they all have their challenges and they have their fun parts. But it's just a matter of like the right, having the right perspective and figuring out what you have to shift to shift with the market and to be successful. I love that. So your vision, speaking of the last couple of years, what are we heading into in the next five years? I think we're going to accelerate from a demand standpoint. So a couple of things. You've got this, the biggest population. If you look at the U.S. Census Bureau, right? And you look at people from like age 55 or 56 all the way down to like 28, the biggest population of that entire group right now is 30, 31, and 32 year old. And the average age of a first time home buyer in the US is 33. Maybe say here in Boston and Metro West, it's even a little bit higher because it's a little bit more expensive. So call it 35, 36, 37. The biggest population is that we've seen is entering their prime home buying years. 
right? So the demand is going to be there. On top of that, I think rates will come down and settle down into like the high fours, low fives, so affordably better. Whenever the Fed stops hiking rates and actually cuts rates like we were talking about, the stock market usually tends to rebound in a big way. So like we know like that we've been in a quote unquote bear market for about 18 months. That's not going to last forever. It never does. Stock market comes back. So I think stock market rebounds, rates come down. You've got this huge demand. I think home prices keep going up because I think unfortunately inventory is going to remain relatively low. I don't think we're going to be in a fair market in terms of like a balanced market anytime soon. Right. So I think you're going to see home prices continue to appreciate. I think you're going to continue to see bidding wars. It's going to remain fierce competition out there for the next couple of years, but I think you're going to see big time home price appreciation because overall our economy is very good. I think the Fed's actually going to likely somehow pull off miraculously like a soft landing like they've been talking about. And we'll mm-hmm. probably go through a recession, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be this severe recession. I think it's going to be a relatively mild recession, which is just a slowdown. Like we knew it's coming. Our labor market's very strong. You know, the the foundation of the housing market in terms of like, there's no short sales or foreclosures. Like it's been so strict to get a mortgage for like the last like 12 or 14 years. So there's not like this huge tidal wave coming. I'm Mm -hmm. sure there'll be some challenges that like we didn't forecast for, but like overall, I think the housing market's going to remain really fast moving and strong over the course of the next couple of years. So I think sellers will be really happy. And I think buyers that get into the market are going to be really happy too, because if you get it now, you can kind of count on appreciation over the course of a couple of years. And like, you know, most of the wealth in our country is built through real estate and it's just like getting in, there's so many success stories of people buying their first place with like 3% down or 5% down or 10% down and like cashing in on these like huge equity numbers, but they just had to get in the game. That's where we really need to step up big time as real estate professionals, whether it's a mortgage, real estate, you know, any type of it, and really just give our guidance because like you see the market go from like urgency to uncertainty to urgency to uncertainty. And there's all these people giving their opinions. When the market gets confusing, we become way more relevant in the eyes of the consumer because like they need us for our data, our experience, our relationships, our experience, everything that we bring to the table in terms of like knowledge that we can share with them and point them in the right direction and guide them to get in, to stay away when it's not a good deal, like Mm -hmm. really step up and do what we're expected to do. So I think it's going to be, I think you're going to see, in my opinion, what else is going to happen is you'll see some separation between like the people that are like really pros and are going to go all in on this, the part-timers that like just kind of sell real estate for fun. It's really hard to to do that in a fast moving market that's like, you know, challenging. So I'm, as you can tell, I'm a pretty optimistic person, but like, I'm also basing it off like the data that we have access to. We're definitely aligned. And I believe that for sure. I think in the last couple of years when it's been just kind of crazy, everyone blends together. And now, I mean, you mentioned it earlier with different products, like having to be the professional, like the professionals are really going to separate from the pack at this point. And that's a good thing for everyone really across the board. But I think, I hope what everyone got out of this is obviously an optimistic outlook, but just get off the sidelines, find somebody that is knowledgeable to talk to. Don't be on the sidelines anxious. What if, what if, what if you'll be on the sidelines for a long time. So if you want to do something, find someone, reach out to Shant. I couldn't be more grateful for your time today because I think you just do such a good job of simplifying some really complicated topics. So I hope you you would be open to talking to anyone that wants to talk. I, I wanted to let you give your contact information right on here so they could reach out. I'm Shant at rate.com. That's S-H-A-N-T at rate.com. And then we're all over social media. So if you just uh, search my name, Shant Benosian, that's like our Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. We're everywhere. We're all over you know, Facebook. So pretty easy to find right here in Massachusetts, but I'm also licensed in all 50 states. We've helped so many people all across the country purchase and refinance. We'd love to do it for you if you'd like. And we help everybody. Primary residence, investment, vacation homes, first-time home buyers, so your seasoned investor. We'll love to talk to and advise anyone. You're the best. Thank you so much. And have so much fun at Taylor Swift tonight. Thank you so much. My girls are excited. I'm pretty excited. Awesome. Thank you.